The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. Happy Black History Month, February 1st. Obviously, I want to thank all those before me who paved the way for me to have the life and have the opportunities that were not readily available to African-Americans such as myself, you know, just even 50 years ago. And times have changed, but we still have a long way to go. So I want to take this opportunity to say happy Black History Month. And if you do observe it and celebrate it, celebrate it by learning history, which is something that is trying to be erased in this country. But learn Black history and understand that Black history is American history. So I could not have started the program without that, giving homage to those before me. But obviously, this is a Hawks podcast and As I said before, things were going to heat up. Rumors are going to heat up in coverage about the trade deadline and speculations of what the Hawks will or will not do was going to come about. And you guys have known for the last several episodes that I've been hinting at who's available and for the reasons why to stay under the luxury tax. I was one of the first people to start to put that out there. And now that is in the airways and the syndicate as far as all those who cover the Atlanta Hawks. So it's going to continue to ramp up with the trade deadline a little over a week away now. And things are certainly going to ramp up as far as phone calls and this young front office having to make some tough decisions and maybe being forced to making a decision that may not be to the liking of Hawks fans. And that's something I'm going to talk about a little bit later as far as those clamoring for a move. But It may not be the exact moves that move the needle for the Atlanta Hawks for various reasons. So we're going to talk about that and talk about the last two games the Hawks played and also the night cap tonight as they are on the West Coast taking on the Phoenix Suns for a midweek ESPN game. And last time they played a Wednesday night ESPN game, they did win, which is rare for the Atlanta Hawks, but... Certainly, it's going to be a tough task as they're playing a Phoenix Suns team who's been playing very well lately. But after winning five in a row, Hawks have now lost four of the last five games and in the last 10 games. And ironically, since the players only meeting in Indiana to start the quote unquote second half of the NBA season, the Hawks are six and four, which means they're still playing above 500 ball. But the Hawks have ran into some bad luck lately. Obviously, as I said, dropping four of the last five games. And the main issue has been defense or, more specifically, the inability to get stops, and particularly in the fourth quarter. And it's a problem that, obviously, defense has been an issue for the last five years here in Atlanta. They have not been a great defensive team. They've made strides this year and have improved statistically in some defensive categories, but 
as far as recently, I saw the beginning of defense becoming a issue and a potential reason why they lose games. In the final two games of their five-game winning streak, they gave up 122 and 124 in the last two games of their five-game winning streak. And I even talked about on this program that they got the wins, but they got to play better defensively or it may turn into a problem. And lo and behold, in the last five games, the Hawks are giving up an average of just under 123 points per game, which is not going to get you wins. Even though the offense has taken off, especially since the turn of the new year, since the beginning of 2023, the Hawks is averaging about 120 points per game. And the record in the month of January is 8-7, and seven, so just above 500 ball. And just for reference, if the Hawks have played at this level, and that is a 533 winning percentage, and let's just say for the sake of this argument, the Hawks have played at a 533 level for the entire season playing this type of ball, and it certainly can be better. A 533 win percentage in the Eastern Conference right now will put the Hawks just one spot above where they are right now. Right now, they're the eighth seed in the East. They would be the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. And I think about half a game above, a half a game or maybe a game above where the New York Knicks are right now. So they will be challenging for that sixth seed instead of being three and a half games back from the sixth seed, losing, as I said, four in the last five games. So, like I said, they're playing better, but there's things that they can continue to get better at, and particularly defense, which is always going to be a key talking point for me on this program. Now, the Hawks as a team are back below 500 now. And they're currently on a five-game West Coast road trip, which started the other night in Portland, where we saw DeJounte Murray going toe-to-toe with Damian Lillard, dropping a career-high 40 points. But again, they could not get stops when they needed to. And that's what led them to lose that game in Portland, because they played great offensively. When you look at the offensive numbers, and I'm going to actually pull up those offensive numbers now, Just recapping that Trailblazer game. As a team, the Hawks shot just under 47% from the floor. Not bad at all. That's actually a good shooting percentage. But the Blazers shot 54% from the floor. Not going to win a lot of games, allowing over 50% shooting for the opponent. The Hawks shot 43% from three. That is really good. But they allowed 19 three-pointers, and they allowed the Blazers to shoot just under 48% from three. You're not going to win a lot of games. Both teams got to the free throw line similar amount of times. The Blazers made more free throws than the Hawks. The Hawks mixed six free throws, including two big free throws by Bogey down the stretch. And then John Collins missed all four of his free throw attempts he had in that game. So just distinct differences because the Hawks out-rebounded the Blazers. And particularly on the offensive glass, they out-rebounded the Blazers 17-3 on the offensive glass. They had 26 team assists, only had seven turnovers. But 
it's the little things. Defense, you can't allow 19 three-pointers. You can't allow teams to shoot over 50% from the floor or even worse, getting close to the 55% mark from the floor. You can't allow that. You can't. And as well as the fast break points, which have been more prevalent for the Hawks lately, that was in favor of the Blazers 14-2. to So they did things good offensively. They scored 125 points on that night. But you gave up 129. You had 40 points from DeJounte Murray, who's going toe-to-toe with Damian Lillard. You know, even with the missed free throws from John Collins, who was 2-6 that night, he still had 16 points, 6 rebounds. He did have 5 fouls. And when you look at the numbers, you got to get more from DeAndre Hunter. You can't score 10 points be 3 or 14 from the floor. You just can't. You can't. Especially with Trey Young not suiting up in that Blazers game. You need DeAndre Hunter, who is your third leading scorer or your third scoring option on his team, to show up. And he did not. Bogey off the bench did his thing. A lot of people criticize Bogey's defense. But he gave you 23 points, 7 assists, and 4 rebounds off the bench. He knocked down four three-pointers. A lot of people clamoring for A.J. Griffin to get more time. Maybe he shouldn't get more time over DeAndre Hunter. A.J. Griffin had 13 points, four of nine shooting, but he knocked down three threes. Okongu, 8.7 rebounds off the bench, one steal. I mean, and Aaron Holiday only played 15 minutes, and he got the start because Trey Young was out. With an ankle injury. So. Defense. That's not. I mean this this team is not constructed with great defensive personnel players. And that is more important than shooting. We know this team can score. I told you in the month of January. They're averaging 120 points per game. Even with the poor three point shooting this year. Offense is not their problem. It never has been. Now, offensive flow and continuity and moving the ball and then having a spread attack offensively, which can get away when Trey Young and DeJounte Murray play hero ball, that has been an issue. I think Nate has been allowing for Joe Prunty to call more offensive sets, and they run them a lot, especially when DeJounte Murray runs the offense and they have played better offensively. I want to say... I saw a stat that their offensive rating is like 119, 120 since a certain point early in the season, which would be the second best in the NBA. But their defensive rating is one of the worst in the NBA. So as the offense has gotten better throughout the year, the defense has gotten worse. And now we're getting to a point where we have to outscore everyone, which comes back to this West Coast road trip, and how imperative it is for the Hawks to have a good road trip. There's going to be a sense of urgency and pressure that's going to be mounting to make a move on this young front office, which could spell disaster. Why could it spell disaster, even though a lot of you are asking for a move? I'm going to talk about that, but first, we're going to take this quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, 
I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues. In every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other ranked list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues, beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. So before the break, I said the record that happens on this West Coast road trip, and I tweeted this out, will be one of the main factors as far as urgency and pressure on this front office, this young front office personnel, to make a move, which could spell disaster. Why could it spell disaster? Because we already know who's available. John Collins, Bogey, and Justin Holiday. Those are the three players available. The Hawks are hoping to make a move to keep themselves under the luxury tax so then they can get reimbursed in August. And on top of that, the pressure to make a move now has real strong implications on next offseason, not this offseason, the next, when DeJounte Murray is up for an extension. And at this point, DeJounte Murray is your leader in your locker room. We saw it the other night in Portland. I listened to the Hoop Collective today. Mark Spears is going to put out a story about how DeJounte Murray has been the stabling force in the locker room for the Hawks. That's something that I saw already, and I think more people need to see. A lot of people think Trey Young is the leading scorer. He needs to be, he's the leader. And that's not the case. That's not what I hear behind closed doors. I hear that more people look to DeJounte Murray as the leader. Nate McMillan leans more on DeJounte Murray, which is fair because him and Trey Young's relationship is not the best. And that is reported nationally and as well as for my sources from the team. And if I am a front office, you want your your star player to be your leader, your franchise player to be your leader. And that is something that, I mean, fair criticism that Trey Young does lack. Now, does he have the opportunity to get better at that? Absolutely. He's still a very young man. He could mature, obviously, maybe after some hardship and some adversity and force himself to put onus on himself to be a better leader to help bring your teammates along and prop them up. Because just because he gets close to 10 assists a game does not mean that 
he's enabling others and getting everybody involved. A lot of people prior to the talent acquisition that the Hawks have gotten recently was calling Trey Young's stats empty. And I was not one of those people. I'm never going to call someone's stats empty. But being a floor general, and I've been a big critique of Trey Young, is that you get your eight, nine assists, seven assists in the first half, but then you end with 11. At that rate, when you have that number at halftime, you would think if you continue to play at that same pace, you're going to get 13, 14, 15 assists. You're out there like John Stockton. And there's circumstances in the game, rest, and certainly they can change defensive coverages to make it harder for you to get the ball out to people and so forth. So I get that. But it's about leadership. And that is the one thing that is holding this team back. And I've continued to say this on the program, and no one else is talking about it, is that your star player has to lead. And we're getting that from DeJounte Murray. We're seeing how more people on the team are more receptive to that. And maybe they are receptive to Trey Young in that way. Like I said, I'm not in the I'm not in the building. My sources are, and I don't I haven't heard that from them on a consistent basis, but he certainly has an opportunity to do that. And I think if he do, does do that, he will certainly be received well by his teammates. And I think this team can be even better. That's just my take. Now, you guys can take it for what you want, especially those who are heavy Trey Young supporters. That's fine. You can look at the numbers and you can fall back on that. But for me, playing in a team sport and having a good leader and a bad leader and knowing the difference, especially when they're on the field or the court with you, they bring the best out of you. I mean, Tron Brady retired today. That was one of the things that every one of his past teammates have talked about how great of a teammate he is and how because he took an a vested interest into you, you wanted to give your all for that player. And I'm not saying that Trey Young doesn't give his all to this team. Certainly when he plays, he plays hard and he's trying to win games. But there's a different level to this when it comes to leadership that I want to see and it's not criticizing his character, but it's a critique and something that he can continue to grow at that will just elevate his play. Goes back to the all-star voting. Pierce voted him 12th best guard in the East. Is he the 12th best guard in the East? Absolutely not. He's much better than that. He's much better than that. But taking onus on what you can't control and what you can get better at is what true warriors, competitors, and leaders do for the sake of themselves, but also for the sake of the team. And I see that from DeJounte Murray, and I'm going to say we need more of that from Trey Young, especially if he's going to be here for the long haul. We continue to see information saying he may want out, he may want out. And some people think it's smoke. I think there's some truth to that. I think that may be put out in the syndicate by maybe his camp or agents and not through indirect sources and is out there for media consumption to scare the Hawks into appeasing him. I think that's probably the case. But do I know that for a fact? No, that's just my speculation. But one thing remains is that the Hawks have to make a good decision now for the sake of this team to, because you already have Trey Young for several years, 
but to entice DeJounte Murray to sign long-term with you. And I understand staying under the luxury tax means maybe you're looking forward to trying to retain him and have the money to retain him, which means obviously getting rid of Bogey's contract, which I think has a good chance of happening. John Collins continuing to be shopped, even though his value is going down because of his usage on his team. He's certainly a talented player, and we've seen glimpses of him, especially in that first quarter of that Blazers game, where we've seen his offensive repertoire and think, wow, you can be a third scoring option. But we have not utilized the power forward position on his team well pretty much since Nate McMillan's tenure, which that's a fair criticism. That is a fair criticism as far as featuring featuring the power forward position, which is why a lot of people complain about Jalen Johnson not getting his clock. And I get it. But like I said, the players that are available, John Collins, Bogey, and Justin Holiday, who has not played in like the last eight, nine games, those are the players that are being shopped around by the Hawks. And there are four games until the trade deadline next Thursday, February 9th, tonight against Phoenix on ESPN. And that team is seventh in the Western Conference. They get to, And they have not played them yet this year. Um, so this is going to be the first time they take on the Phoenix Suns and they did play them actually next week here in Atlanta. So two games in about eight, nine days against the Phoenix Suns who are playing better ball lately. The Utah Jazz, who we lost to earlier in Atlanta, they're ninth in the West. We take on, on the second out of a back-to-back, because -back, we take on Utah Friday, the second out of a back-to-back -back on Saturday, we take on the number one team in the Western Conference, the Nuggets, who you beat here in Atlanta without Trey Young. And fingers crossed, knock on wood, Trey Young's healthy for that game on Saturday, and we see how that plays out. Against good teams, Hawks do raise their level of competition, but I know Denver will be motivated to try to get revenge on them, especially up in the Mile High City at home. And then after that, they're going to travel down to New Orleans on Tuesday to take on the Pelicans, who are in the midst of a nine-game losing streak. And that's a TNT game, and they are 10th in the Western Conference, also active in the trade deadline discussion. So... There is inevitably going to be a lot of chatter around what the Hawks will or won't do. The only information that I know is that, and what's been told to me, are the three people who they are constantly shopping. And that the fact that I've heard them talked about in deals together, so potentially a big trade, or moving two for one, um or just two in one trade, one in the other, and really trying to clear books and get players that are going to keep them under these luxury tax. So, I mean, that's what it is. And my source close to the team also told me that, obviously, because, you know, the trade deadline, as I said, is next Thursday afternoon, February 9th. And ironically, that night, the Hawks will host the Suns here in Atlanta. The day prior, February 8th, there's no game. So the Hawks are going to be working hard to see if they can, you know, negotiate some deals leading up to the deadline. So I would suspect around February 7th, February 8th, especially after the conclusion of this West Coast road trip, 
see how the team performs. And you'll hear more and more rumors that day before the trade deadline ramping up if the Hawks will make a deal or not. And like I said, the success of the trip, according to my sources, will determine the urgency to make a deal. If the Hawks do not go at least two and three out west, it could spell changes. What changes? Certainly the trade deadline. But beyond that, it's much of a toss up as much as the direction that this young front office will go with the little experience they have. So, But certainly they have to go at least two and three to they may still make a move, even if they go two and two and three, three and two. But especially trying to get rid of uh, Justin Holiday. A lot of people have talked about it. I've seen some of the other people covering the Hawks, how it's not a sexy trade. It's not this, it's not that. The trade is not to con- to contend, let's just be real, is to make sure that Tony Wrestler gets a refund in August. These are moves not to build a winner this year. They're just going to ride with what they have. If they can make a deal to clear some of their books, they're going to do that. And it is what it is at this point. They're going to put the onus on this group of players and this head coach and Damon Millen and his coaching staff to make do with what they have. And is that fair to the fans? No, it's not fair to the fans. I'm going to keep it real. It's not. But make sure we place blame in the correct places. Travis Schlenk was trying to build a winner, was wanting to go over the luxury tax to try to build a winner. He came from a winning organization in the Golden State Warriors He's seen how championship teams are built. And Atlanta's a big enough media market that you can get money. You can generate revenue, especially if you build a winner here in Atlanta. You can do it. But the problem and the reason why he left was that his voice and his influence was waning as Nick Wrestlers was growing. So it is what it is, and he had to make a decision for himself because if you can't do his job to the best of his ability, then it's best to move on and go a different direction. And it's with this young front office. So it's a lot of pressure on them to make a decision. And as much people think that bogey should be more of a priority because they want to keep John Collins. And trust me, I want to keep John Collins. It's not up to me. It's not up to those who cover the team. It's more so up to the front office, and trying to appease all parties at hand. John Collins has said he is open to a fresh start, and I think the Hawks are trying to honor that to maintain status quo, or, I mean, there's really no status quo in that locker room at this point, but trying to appease certain parties, and let's just say that. Um, But certainly this will all hinge later on in play a factor in what decision DeJounte Murray makes after leaving the Spurs coming here and then realizing it's kind of a disgruntled workplace. And this was a little more than what he anticipated. And now he's trying to just weather the storm and battle adversity, which if you, and I can't wait for the Mark Spears story to come out because he's battled a lot of adversity in his life. So he's not unaccustomed to adversity and why I say he should be the rightful leader of this team to weather the storm and steady things in the locker room to help this team focus on controlling what they can control. 
the decisions are on the front office. The players control their play. And in the last two games, they have lost two games in a row. They did play a very hot Clippers team here in Atlanta where Kawhi looked like Kawhi and Paul George played like Paul George. And it was a game where, again, the Hawks give up more than 50% from the floor and allow, in two straight games, they've allowed teams to shoot 19 threes. So defense, again, guarding the three-point line, which they have been really good at this year, has been a problem recently um, in the last two games. 19 of 39 from three for the Clippers, shot just under 49%. Hawks shot 47% from the floor, but just under 26% from three, so that's not going to get it done. They out-rebounded the Clippers, which is good, especially in the offensive glass. They had 24 team assists, solid. 12 steals, solid. Only had nine turnovers, scored 23 points off of 14 forced turnovers on the Clippers, so that's good. 24 fast break points, outscored the Clippers by 30 in the paint, but it came down to three-point shooting and defense, and that's what cost the Hawks. And you got to give credit what credit is due. The Clippers played very physical on Trey Young, and Trey Young still, you know, did his thing scoring 31 points, but that was a tough 31 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds game. Uh, with the defense that they played on him. And like I said, Kawhi had 32. He hit a lot of tough shots. Paul George had 23. He hit a lot of tough shots. Zubac gave him 18 in the paint. 11 for Luke Kennard, who started that game. And they got good bench production. I mean, they had 34 points off the bench between three players. 16 from Reggie Jackson, 10 from uh, Norman Powell, and 8 from uh, Batum. So... Like I said, they played good team basketball, 25-team assist, and their offense is certainly getting better now that they have their two stars in their lineup. And then when you look at the Hawks that game, you got to get more than 15 points from Murray. You got to. I thought he was the difference in the game. Uh, he was he had the lowest plus-minus in the game, minus 11. I mean, 15 points, eight assists, six rebounds, two steals, and a block. Only one turnover, but again, minus 11 plus minus. One for five from three. 15 points on 17 shots. That's not going to get it done. Hunter, again, has shot poorly recently. He was 4-13 in the Clippers game as well and scored only 14 points. Had seven rebounds and two steals, which is good, but you got to get more. If Murray's not getting you 19 to 22 points, Hunter, you have to score at least 16 Points, in my opinion. John Collins with another solid game. 16 points, 5 rebounds from him. Capella, another double-double. 12 points, 13 rebounds. 7 on the offensive glass. Had 2 steals and a block, so another good game from him. The bench was fairly well. Uh, only 12 minutes for A.J. Griffin, which is weird. Uh, 3 points in those 12 minutes. Okonkwo had 6 points, 9 rebounds off the bench. Jalen Johnson, rare sighting for him as of late. Two points in seven minutes. Nine points off the bench from Bogey, so certainly need more from him. And then five from Aaron Holiday. And a lot of people, like I said, have been talking about why Jalen Johnson hasn't been playing. And I, I have nothing concrete, but I have my speculations that maybe Jalen Johnson is on the trading block. 
Maybe that's going to be to the dismay of a lot of Hawks fans. But like I said, we have not seen Justin Holiday recently. And the Hawks are actively shopping and trying to, you know, make a potential deal to get some players off the books. Maybe Jalen Johnson is a player they're trying to get off the books. And that could explain some of this inconsistency in his minutes. Maybe this is not a Nathan Mellon thing. Maybe this is a front office thing. Those are different angles that I want people to think about outside of just blaming us all on Nathan Mellon. It could be bigger things at play. I have not heard anything concrete on that, but just speculation at this point. And like I said, I've talked about the last two games. I already talked about the Portland game. Obviously, Dame did his thing, scoring 42 points to go toe-to-toe with Murray, 22 points from Jeremy Grant. That night, 21 from Anthony Simons. Solid bench play for Portland. Just a good offensive night. Again, you can't let another team shoot north of 50% and expect to win games. And you give up 120 points in each of those games. So, coming into tonight's gaming is the Suns. The Suns are, they're playing a lot better recently. One for the last five. They're a middle-of-the-road offensive team, and that has a lot to do with Players being in and out of the lineup like Devin Booker, who's currently out. Chris Paul, who was out earlier in the year. And then Cam Johnson, who just recently came back. But they're still a top 10 defensive team. They're still a top three, three-point percentage team in the NBA. They do shoot more jump shots, but they do not get to the basket a lot. They're not a team that gets to the free throw line a lot as well. They're towards the bottom three in the league in free throws, um, Attempted and free throws made, but percentage-wise, they're a top 10 free throw percentage team in the NBA. They are a really good offensive rebounding team, and on the defensive side of things, the Suns defend the paint fairly well, so it will be a battle between the bigs for the Hawks and the Suns tonight. That's going to probably be the key, in my opinion, especially who can protect the paint a lot better and who can defend a lot better between the two front courts for the Hawks and the Suns. The Suns are a team defensively that limit three-point shots. They're number one in the league in allowing three-pointers attempted in May, so they give up the fewest amount in the NBA. I had to clean that up explanation-wise. But as far as opponents' three-point shooting percentage, they're middle of the road in the NBA. They're top 10 in opponents' two-point percentage, so they really defend inside inside the three-point line fairly well. They're good at limiting ball movement. They're a top 10 team in assist allowed per game for the opponent. So that's going to have to be a key for us. They're a top 10 team in blocks and points allowed per game. However, the one Achilles heel for the Suns is that they do allow people to get to the free throw line a lot. So when it comes to keys for tonight's game, Hawks have lost two in a row, as I said, four of the last five. We know they're... Usually, you know, they usually underperform on midweek ESPN games, but got the win against Luka in Dallas. Now you're on the road in Phoenix. Can you steal one on the road? How will they do that? They got to box out defensively. Limit offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities for the Suns. That's going to be a big battle. Capella versus Aiden. Okongwu on Aiden. John Collins has the rebound. And DeAndre Hunter needs to get involved in the boards, too. It's going to have to be a team effort rebounding the ball, especially defensively boxing out. Next key is defense. You have to stay connected, communicate, and contest those jump shots. 
Don't let this team get in a rhythm shooting and making jump shots. Contest every jump shot. And as I said, box out. And then obviously give yourself an opportunity to push the pace, maybe score in transition. If not, just limit their opportunities to score and run your offense and find some efficiency there. One thing offensively I want the Hawks to do is to be aggressive. Get to the free throw line. As I said, this is a team that does foul a lot. So get yourself to the free throw line and make your free throws, especially in the clutch, unlike in the game against Portland. Execute offensively and limit your turnovers. The Hawks have gotten better taking care of the ball the last few games. They must continue to emphasize taking care of the ball and moving the ball on, on offense to create easier offensive looks. The Hawks have been scoring fairly well recently in the fast break. Push the pace when needed. Run your offense when needed as well. Keep that defense for the Suns off off keel and not running predictable things offensively. And I think this is a game where obviously it's going to be a big matchup between Chris Paul and Trey Young. You have a DeJounte Murray who needs to be big tonight. You have a Hunter who needs to get out of his shooting slump, defend, rebound, and be the score the third scoring option that you've been mostly this year. We need Collins as well. I need at least these three players to score 12 to 13 points or more. I need each of them to score 13 points or more. If you can get that from those three players and then maybe get 12, 13 off the bench for bogey, that bodes well for the Hawks. Even scoring distribution, help Trey Young coming off that ankle and Play the offensive game that you've been playing the last few games, but hone in on the defensive end, and maybe you can steal one on the road to go one and one on this West Coast road trip before the back-to-back Friday and Saturday night against Utah and Denver. So we'll see how they perform tonight. And if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars, share it, give it a great review, tell everybody about one of the best sources for news for the Atlanta Hawks out there. The best sources for news for the Atlanta Hawks out there. Share this with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans. Does not matter. They have ears and want to hear news, rumors, and things all concerning the Atlanta Hawks, especially leading up to the trade deadline. Put them onto this show. Put them onto our Twitter. Follow us at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And then follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. We'll catch you guys next time leading up to the back-to-back Friday and Saturday night. Two tough games, but we got to focus on this one on ESPN against the Suns tonight. So we'll catch you guys next time. As always, let's go Hawks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.